0: the podcast starts.
1: Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to the podcast on which we talk about horror. Sometimes we do talk about other things. Quite often, we swear. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by the brilliant film studies lecturer and all-round doctor of horror, Stella Gainer. <laughs> Hello, Stella.
2: Hey, Dan. You're right.
1: <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. And uh, and of course, I am Dan uh, T D Velasquez. Um, today we're going to be talking about a family a family who i am reliably informed by mc hammer do what they want to do say what they want to say feel what they want to feel and play how they want to play this family is of course the adams family Stella's just done a bit of clicking fingers on the camera specifically we're talking about the 1993 movie Adam's family values because I'd never seen it before, so it's a missed Criminal. classic for me. <laughs> but um, but it was Stella's suggestion. <laughs> Nurse, how close are the
0: contractions? Every 15 seconds, doctor. Are you in unbearable pain, my darling? Is it torture? We oui. <laughs> forceps. Forceps. Ah! <laughs> Gomez! like news? Father, what is it? It's an Adams. <laughs> he has my father's eyes. Gomez, take those out of his mouth. <gasps>
3: He's an adorable little baby. Fine. Rub it in.
0: Children, why do you hate the baby?
3: We don't hate him. We just want to play with him. Especially his head.
0: You'll meet someone, someone very special. Someone who won't press charges.
2: Isn't he a lady killer? Acquitted. Women must follow you everywhere.
0: Store detectives.
3: And the stork flew down from heaven and turned into a baby. Our parents had sex.
1: Stella, why did you want to talk about Adam's family values? Oh,
2: God. Many, 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 many reasons. (laughs) I think the biggest reason is I remember going to see it at the cinema. So it was 1993, so I would have been 12. Um, I loved it in the cinema and I got it on VHS for... The next birthday or Christmas, so you know the next available gift-giving time when when it was out on VHS, mm. and I watched it so much that the tape snapped. Right, <laughs> literally wow. wore it out, um, and I think to this day I can still quote most of it, if not all of it, um, and I think sometimes with comedies, particularly with comedies, they can age quite badly, um, and I did watch it again recently really recently which I think is why I ended up mentioning it to you that we should that we should talk Mm. about it I think it was just on the telly and um it's it's aged really well loads of the jokes still fall really really well it's it doesn't have you know sometimes you watch a comedy 20 years later and you think oh god (laughs) maybe maybe that's aged badly but with with this film I feel like it's really it's really held up it's got an incredible cast that we'll get onto in a little bit, I'm sure. And it still makes me absolutely belly laugh every time I watch it, even though I know all the jokes, I know all the lines, it still makes me absolutely howl with laughter. It's, it's just so good. <laughs> it's really, really good. And if anybody's not seen it, like yourself, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> Go and watch yes. it. <laughs> Let's point out straight away that both this movie and its 1991 progenitor are on Paramount+. Plus. So if you mm. happen to be a member of that, you can watch it right away. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're both beautiful-looking movies and incredibly easy to mm. enjoy. I think the first film does suffer a little bit from being dated, but the, I don't think the sequel does. And mm. there's something about that... The world that they create, the actual world that the Adams family live in, is, is kind of so beautifully odd, and and <laughs> disconnected to modern America, but also growing out of it. it's, it's, it's got a one, that wonderful comic southern gothic thing. Yeah. Um, it kind of is. It's kind of timeless. And indeed, um, we should fill in a little background for listeners who have not. Uh, who are not familiar with these movies? Um, by the way, um, it seems daft to say spoiler warnings on, on on the discussion of a comedy, but I guess we aren't yeah. going to spoil everything. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie, do go and watch it. Um, but you know, if if you want to just listen on, here comes the detail. So uh, the Adams family were a, a, a family of characters created by the American satirical cartoonist Charles Adams for a series of comics published in the New Yorker uh, magazine or newspaper. I'm not actually sure. Somewhere, never...
2: somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a magazine-type situation, but it's got long, longer articles like we would consider a newspaper, like a broadsheet. Right. Somewhere yeah. between a broadsheet and a magazine, I think.
1: OK, um, so he, he he drew kind of one-page or one-panel little kind of cartoon strips um, which continued for many years so they started in 1938 he also drew them in other publications i think in other places they weren't all in the new yorker um, in 1964 uh, there was a tv series made of them which is weird to think of that TV series was made when those characters were already nearly 30 years old, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: So, so they'd already permeated the culture, but the TV show kind of really um, successfully uh, incarnated them, kind of ingrained them into the psyche of, I guess, not just America, but 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 everywhere. I mean, I, I grew up with that series, and I remember when the, seeing the original 1991 adams family adaptation i watched that on tv in it would probably have been about 93 94
2: yeah by the time it I, got round to um, telly yeah
1: and even then as a 12 13 year old i was aware of the uh, you know the original tv series and how perfectly the movie seemed to adapt it yeah. every, everything about it kind of felt right um and subsequently it's been um it's been turned into multiple cartoon series um it, it it's now a cartoon animated uh, movie franchise um the netflix has the series wednesday say starring yeah. the wonderful jenna ortega who we was talking Yay. about on the scream episode <laughs> um and and it kind of uh, goes on and on and i think this movie franchise in the 90s which happened, uh, you know, the first film was made in 1990, just a couple of years after Charles Adams' death, Um, and it was originally, um, well, the the director originally sought for it, was Tim Burton, but he was too busy. So, um, Barry Sonnenfeld, who'd never directed a movie before, um, but had been a very successful cinematographer shooting a lot of the Coen Brothers movies, for instance, um, was, uh, um was eventually brought on board after terry gilliam had also turned it down um and apparently it was an incredibly stressful experience for him as his first movie but it it, it made a lot of money it went down well uh, like i say although i think it's dated in some aspects it's kind of perfectly pitched as an adaptation of those characters mm. it just feels really right and in fact i'll, I'll mention this now because it's not to do with the film we're actually discussing, but the very opening of the first Adam's Family movie, I, when I rewatched it last week, I'd completely forgotten what the opening was, and it made me laugh my head off. It's, um,. <laughs> christmas carolers uh, singing happy christmas <laughs> songs and then the camera kind of slowly pans up and above them on the roof of the adams family house the family are all stood there and they pour a cauldron of boiling oil <laughs> down onto the carolers, and the camera just tracks into the cauldron and that's where the credits come up inside the kind of steaming cauldron um that, and i thought that, that was kind of an amazing opening Um, and and it did make me laugh a lot that movie but but then of course uh, because of the success of that two years later we got another movie uh, which reunited many of the same team not quite everybody but it's Mm. directed once again by Sonnenfeld has most of the same cast returning plus a a really wonderful new supporting cast Um, and I think Uh, the movie was a hit as well it was a critical success and i think they would have made more had raul julia who plays gomez adams uh the the father of the family um sadly passed away in 1994 from a stroke following complications uh from stomach cancer i think so Mm. he died at the age of i think 54. um and and later on they tried to revive the series with a TV movie sort of sequel, which starred Tim Curry as Gomez um, and Daryl Hannah as his wife Morticia. Um, (laughs) But that uh, that didn't go anywhere, and I think the franchise kind of lay fallow then for a while. But obviously it's it's revived now in a different form. Um, but, uh, But so this is, in a way, a perfect little pair of movies that feels like it could have led on to many more movies and in a different universe probably would have done um mm-hmm. but um they're, they're they're still wonderful kind of as they are and especially the second one which we we will we'll go on to discuss now um it's kind of hard to know where to start Shall we start with the cast <laughs>
2: yeah let's start with the cast <laughs> so i'm just kind of laughing because in my head i'm just running through all the various jokes right throughout the film.
1: by the way the uh, movie's written by paul Rodnick, who didn't write the original adam's family adaptation um but he did write other 90s comedies like in and out with kevin klein which is one i remember quite fondly oh, yeah. um yeah. and it's the, the the tone of Adam's family values it it's kind of perfectly in keeping with the the tone that was set up in the previous film but it's kind of even cheekier and mm. in some ways darker as well um, oh, the, yeah. the, the, there's a kind of lovely ghoulish humour to it which is perfect for the characters in the world so yeah.
2: yeah I mean you know I said before that I watched it they took the tape died when I was a kid and it's only watching it you know 10, 20 years later, that there's obviously lots of... It's full of jokes. It's fam- family-friendly to a point, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't... There's loads of lines in it that I didn't get until I was older. The, the, right. <laughs> but they were talking about something else. They were quite strong innuendos. Um, but, I, yeah, did an enjoyable film, even, even, even as a grown-up. So, on that, I would like to start, if we're talking about the cast, mm. with Joan Cusack. And oh, yes. I think the
1: best role of her career yeah well <laughs> it's probably, probably the biggest role you know she's essentially the film's kind of special guest villain yeah um and the black widow <laughs> whereas i'm kind of used to her yeah one, the, the wonderful character i'm kind of used to her turning up as like a supporting um mm. kind of bonus usually in films starring her brother john kuzak
2: yeah
1: um but I, I, she's essentially, apart from the, the actual Adams family themselves, she's a lead, the, the main leading character in this movie, yeah. and she's just fantastic. And I was delighted to see her, and she um, plays a great um, kind of duplicitous villain <laughs> who who just has so many sides. So, um, she plays a character who's basically comes to the Adams family as a nanny in a kind of glorious inversion of what we saw in The Omen recently um <laughs> yeah. where, where the, the the family are desperately looking for a nanny who who can deal with their bizarre children and and then this nanny turns up um but instead of in the omen where where they're an ostensibly normal family and this spooky nanny um who has kind of sinister a sinister awe about her um Kind of, kind of arrives to quote unquote save them when they couldn't find any other suitable nannies. This time, this nanny who arrives is seems to be like the most normal and upbeat <laughs> and nice nanny who can somehow, for reasons which are, aren't immediately um, apparent, she can just take all the oddness of the Adams family in her stride and she's yeah, liked she likes to... Yeah, again she doesn't care and it's kind of wonderful she just likes everything and she's so bubbly um but then we gradually realize the reason that she's like that is it's all a front she's researched the adams family um she is um a a, a black widow style murderer who whose modus operandi is to marry rich men and kill them for their money um, yeah. I think we can all respect that. Um, and she's basically researched the Adams family, knows that um, Uncle Fester, played by Christopher Lloyd, is um, single and the family is loaded, and therefore she wants to marry him and, and, and get his share of the fortune.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and there's a wonderful bit where you find this out. Can, you, you find out her, her background in that she's watching. Uh, a tv crime special presented by peter graves which is all about her and, you know she's deliberately chosen to watch the kind of american most wanted kind of thing i think she's eating chocolates while yeah, watching she's it. laying in bed
2: <laughs> and doesn't she she turns up again in uh it's when the kids are at summer camp when wednesday and pugs they're at summer camp and they're exchanging like they're like top trump cards aren't they like top trumps of serial killers oh yes and what uh, right. w- one of them is hers like black widow she's killed like three she already killed three husbands or something so she's got like she's got like five five knives out of five on the little
1: trump card when yes. the kids are like
2: ah, it's debbie <laughs>
1: <laughs> now she's brilliant and i i love the shot where you see her pile of research that she's done on the adams family um, and one um piece that she's collected is um uh, an issue of a magazine called lifestyles of the rich and freakish and it's got a picture <laughs> of uh fester on the front cover um, that's fantastic um she no, just, she's she's she,
2: yeah she just every, every scene that she's in she just absolutely steals the scene like her and also, I've, I, I do keep meaning to uh, dress up as her for Halloween once. I think it would be fantastic I need to get uh, the blonde wig and some terrible, like, coral-coloured, off-the-shoulder dress. Right. <laughs> T- totter about in high heels um, in pastel colours. But it, I just... If, all the bits that make me belly laugh, it's usual, usually her. Um, so when she's, when she's finally married, Festa... And she's tried. She's tried to kill him by chucking her radio in the bath. Right. <laughs> that, yes. That doesn't work. She then tries to blow up the mansion, and she's just <laughs> sat outside waiting for it to blow up, just looking at her watch, and she's practicing crying for the police so she sat in the car so she sat there like oh, officer my my husband was in there and she practices crying and it just blends into this sort of maniacal laughter as she's waiting for it to blow up and as it does blow up this huge explosion behind her and she just she just barely flinches she just sits there
0: and yeah.
2: touches her eyelashes and then drives off. <laughs> and then we get the final scene where she's got them all in the electric chairs. And she's basically does a PowerPoint presentation of, yes. why, of why she ends up like she is. And she's like, I didn't want Malibu Barbie. I wanted Ballerina Barbie. Graceful. Delicate. <laughs> While she's standing there, really manic, and going for all these slides of all these husbands. <laughs> like, "You just had to go, and the house is on fire on this slide. And she's... I- every single scene she just absolutely seals it i love her so much
1: it's amazing and um (laughs) the bit where she talks about i wanted i didn't want malibu barbie and gomez and morticia's reaction is perfect
0: (laughs) malibu barbie the nightmare the nerve
1: and also ultimate spoilers because this that scene's the end of the movie i was just so amazed and impressed that she is Literally, totally destroyed. She's basically disintegrated yes, when the baby. Ele- yes, when the baby electrocutes her. Um, wow! <laughs> and because the whole plot mechanism of the sequel is that it starts that, um, Morticia is pregnant, uh, which is revealed in that amazing kind of pre-credit scene, where mm. uh, Morticia just says, "I'm having a baby." Right now. <laughs> 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 then it's cut to the hospital. Um, and uh, a cameo appearance there by David hyde Pierce as, as the doctor. Um, and, and therefore... What do they
2: call the baby?
1: Oh, um, Pu- pubert. pubert. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, something charming.
2: And, he's got... and he doesn't have a little moustache. <laughs> he's like, got a little pencil like moustache.
1: Um, I, I feel like um, Pubert's played by two female babies, according to the end credits. So I can't remember their names, but um, I, I believe that they deserve special credit in, in our discussion because Pubert is a fantastic little character, and with Gomez's pencil mustache as well, and and also the scene where they they're they are horrified because he's got very sick and he's become um, a very wholesome-looking baby with with, with blonde hair and no pencil moustache.
2: Blonde Um, girls. It's because because Gomez... Because Fester's gone and married Debbie, and Debbie's cut Fester off from the family, so Gomez is like in this almost like catatonic state, isn't he? Well he misses his brother and that means that all is not well in the house so baby yeah. Pubert looks like a little little yes. angel and um is it Gomez's mother or morticia's mother? It's one of them and she's there and she's like, if we don't sort sort this out soon it's gonna get worse. We're talking dimples <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes Um So, um let's go continue through the cast then. I feel like okay. we've got to mention even though she, she is not unique to this film she's obviously in adam's family one as well but angelica houston who is top build plays morticia adams and is just stunning um (laughs) just absolutely perfect as this character and is really aided in this movie by the cinematographer don peterman who just lights her eyes perfectly
2: (laughs) you know she always
1: has that window of light on her eyes wherever she stands and it kind of moves with her and that's brilliant um but every, every line she says is basically a great joke because everything the Addams is um, like and admire and profess is kind of the opposite of, of the American convention.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and there's a... I mean, it's a recurring gag, which is maybe a bit easy in a way, but somebody, somebody will say something horrible and um, they will kind of react... In the opposite way, like, uh, the one the example that comes to mind is when um, they're trying to console uh, their their older children Wednesday in Pugsley, who are, uh, are unhappy that they have a baby in their house and keep trying to kill him.
2: Yeah.
1: And Morticia says, "It's not true, you know, children, that whenever you have a new baby, you have to kill one of the other children." And Grandma <laughs> Grandma Adams goes not anymore. She's like, <laughs> wistful. I'm uh, just thinking,
2: you know, with, with the light on her face, and you know, she looks stunning all the way through it, but those dresses that they must have just sewn her into those tight black dresses, oh, she looks yes. fantastic throughout throughout the film, and she's always just got a little eyebrow raised, hasn't she? <laughs> In yes. response to
1: what people are saying. I mean, she, that's yeah. the It's kind of, the movie is the perfect... Approach. and maybe it takes this from the 60s TV series which mm. I haven't seen recently enough but it kind of looks exactly like a, a comic uh, yeah. or, or, or an illustration without going so far that, that it feels like an unreal world you know yeah. um, the, the the actors are made up and costumed just kind of perfectly and just larger than life enough to really have the impact but um, so the scenes where the Adamses interact with kind of more "quote unquote" normal real world, yeah, with the real world, like um, is it in this film or the first one where they go to a police station? It's in this
2: think, one. It's, it's, it's in, in, this in this one because yeah. Gomez wants them to go because he saying that you know my my brother is being held as a sexual <laughs> slave or something like that, yeah, and and yeah. the detective's just like you don't
1: yeah. say <laughs> <laughs> yeah it basically doesn't says, give a shit <laughs> my brother's been married he's got married to this woman you've got to do something about it yeah so <laughs>
2: <laughs> all they um, do is have sex and he's the detective <laughs> <like>, you're kidding <laughs> and Gomez yeah, the, is like has the world gone mad <laughs>
1: the detective in that scene who's played by Nathan Lane in a cameo who later played um, Gomez in the Broadway musical version mm with um, Bibi Newworth as Morticia, which I think is wonderful casting. I'd have loved yeah. to have seen that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, he can, they can do things like go into kind of real-world, ordinary-world situations like a police station or a maternity room and not mm-hmm. look totally out of place. Um, but at the same time, they are perfectly those characters and they're instantly recognisable <laughs> as those characters. And the maternity room has another bit... That's um, uh, <laughs> that's kind of emblematic of that thing I say where they they always react with delight to like really dark things, where um, uh, they're wheeling Morticia in there and she's in labor and, and Gomez is saying, "Is it agony, dear?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and she just sort of smiles slightly and goes, "We." Oui. <laughs> uh,
2: so there's a later scene that's a, a kind of along those lines. Morticia's in bed and Gomez is pacing around. And I can't really remember what they're talking about. And they're, and they're talking about something about a ball and chain. <laughs> like remember that from our honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but on the subject of those two, you know, Gomez gives Festa the the advice, you know, how to how to woo the lady, because Fester's falling rapidly in love with Debbie and. So Gomez is trying to give him all of his like you know top tips, and is that you got to treat her like she's the most exquisite and beautiful creature that you've ever seen, and and Gomez treats Morticia like that, like their their relationship is 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 incredible. They love each other so much, yeah. and Christ knows what they get up to behind closed <laughs> doors, all kinds of things. But it's despite all of the silliness and all of the gothiciness, and there's a lot of silliness, they their you know they're they're a loving loyal family yes throughout and you know you you mess with one adams and the whole clan will come down on top of you and i think that's a really lovely thread that runs runs through it all you know wednesday and pugsley brother and sister or wednesday and their pugsley and you know little pubert but they'd they'd have no one else harm them at all
1: and and uh, that is um a really lovely sidebar to that thread is the whole summer camp thing where Debbie, camp. Debbie arranges for Wednesday and Pugsley to be sent away to summer camp because camp she, ba- <laughs> she basically knows that they're on to them. Yeah. Um, and and basically at summer camp, everybody hates Wednesday and Pugsley apart from um, the young character played by David Crumholtz, whose name I can't remember. Oh, he's called Joel, I think oh
2: yeah he's still the little little nerd isn't he a little geeky boy who doesn't want to be outside he's got asthma he's allergic to everything his mum and dad are making him go there to make some friends he just doesn't want to be there
1: and there's a very sweet sort of almost romance between him and wednesday yeah is really nice but apart from him everybody at summer camp is like the antithesis of them (laughs) but it's really great how they (laughs) stick together and, and remain themselves
2: when the camp counselors, whenever they say or announce anything and they jump up and down clapping whenever they announce
1: yes oh, um, God. we should mention <laughs> we're talking about the cast as well and um, the camp counselors are played by peter mcnichol and christine baransky yeah. Who's she's the broadway she's... legend christine Baransky yeah. and it's just amazing to see them again they, they
2: play it so like gung-ho <laughs> they're just they're completely believable even though they're absolutely absurd characters and they make they make Wednesday and Pugsley and joel isn't it they make them go and sit in do they call it the happy hut
1: the and harmony hut
2: harmony Hut, and it's, yeah. just, it's shed and on the walls there's like pictures of i don't know fluffy animals on the wall and then the worst picture that it zooms in on as they're cowering against the wall is a picture of michael jackson
1: yeah it, <laughs> it's it's saying it's heal My, the world heal the world yeah and that 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 horrible poster with the kind of sticking plaster on the earth yeah, kind of thing. a um, band-aid on the air. And
2: they and have then, to watch loads of Disney movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a wonderful montage where you hear songs from Annie and um, yeah. various Disney movies and various chirpy-happy clips as, as the sun goes down and that they're obviously in the for 24 hours being forced to watch all these things and when they come out of the shed they've basically been brainwashed but somebody <laughs> at the studios of those various movies must have had a sense of humor because they've allowed them to use all those clips yeah. um uh, and uh it, it is you know it, it's totally authentic of the, all, all the bits that you hear and then when Wednesday comes out there's that wonderful scene where they all seem to have been kind of brainwashed they have this kind of thousand yard stare and Wednesday sort of says I, I'm happy now I want to be part of, of your musical yeah. theatre and she does a smile she tries to like smile Wednesday's big version of a happy smile and um, the, the main um, kind of principal girl uh, from the conventional side of of, mm-hmm. of all the kids in the camp goes stop it she's scaring me <laughs> uh, and we should mention as well that that girl is played by mercedes mcnab who went on to ironically play a character called harmony in buffy who is one of cordelia's um, circle of friends right. who um Kind of, I think buzzes around for the first three series and is then maybe killed at the end of the third series by the mayor um, and, and is kind of memorably uh, turned into a vampire in, in uh, I think, the Alternative World episode, you know, where mm. everything's changed. Yeah. Um, she's awesome, and she's also in Adam's Family 1. She has a really nice little cameo as a Girl Scout selling cookies. Do you remember that scene? That's yeah. re- <laughs> I think um, Wednesday and Pugsley are trying to make some money for the family by selling lemonade, uh, and the Girl Scout comes along and says, um, "I'm sorry, I can't buy your lemonade. I only drink lemonade made from real lemons." But I could sell you some of my Girl Scout cookies, and Wednesday goes, "Are they made from real Girl Scouts?" <laughs> <laughs> and the girls go just kind of walks away in disgust. But I'd like to think that's the same character as we see here. She gets a lot more to do in Adams Family yeah. values, um, and and I have to say, you know, she as a precocious child performer, she mm-hmm. probably she's either genuinely awful or, or really. <laughs> really wonderfully good because it's a perfect performance of an annoying child actor yeah. because the character is actually an actor she's given the star role in in, in uh, peter mcnichols uh kind of thanksgiving play Thanksgiving musical play, play uh, which is a highlight of the movie when they find absolute
2: highlight of the movie because yeah wednesday how does she go about it now so the play is going well wednesday's playing pocahontas isn't she yes And the play's going well and she, Wednesday's, the Pocahontas character's supposed to come on stage and you know, she's thanking whatever the blonde girl's called saying, you know, you got your hairs like the sun and all that kind of thing. And then she just goes completely off script.
3: Welcome to our table, our new primitive friends. Thank you, Sarah Miller. You're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Your hair is the color of the sun. Your skin is like fresh milk and everyone loves you. Stop! Sit! Wait. What? We cannot break bread with you. Wednesday! You have taken the land which is rightfully ours. Years from now, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes, on reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. We will sell our bracelets by the roadsides. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stick shifts. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims, especially Sarah Miller. Gary, she's changing the words. And for all these reasons, I've decided to scalp you and burn your village to the ground. Oh <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's so and then they just kind of destroy... Uh, she obviously has enlisted the support of, of many of the kind of yeah. um, the marginalised kids. There's a wonderful yeah. scene where it pans across the faces of all the kids who've not been cast in the main parts in the play, and it's all the ones who are from ethnic minorities, or they're a bit pale, yeah. or dumpy, or don't, you know, their face yeah. doesn't fit, and they've all kind of been left out. But and they're all playing the Indians, so and they just basically storm the stage Did and too. destroy the set. Um, Destroy
2: the set, and there's that lovely scene, just that moment at the end where Wednesday, as Pocahontas is sat in the canoe, and she's just being rowed across the lake by by Joel, as like the set burns <laughs> behind <her. right. laughs> it's really, really good. It's really good.
1: And yeah, well, when... that's a highlight of the movie. Absolutely, it is. Oh, I absolutely. I mean, I remember uh, thinking when Wednesday was was kind of acting brainwashed. And She was playing Pocontus and kind of thinking, Where is this going to go? Yeah. How is she going What's to she gonna do? <laughs> turn the tables? And it's completely satisfying because it is based in a genuinely awful, um, you know, kind of a piece of American history, yeah. That, yeah. um, you know, and, the, and that anger uh, is real, and mm-hmm. um. I, I I think that any audience member with a connection or an understanding of the, yeah. of the situation of what happened to the Native American peoples, have been betrayed in all sorts of ways and continue to be so. Um, yeah,
2: it's not stopped.
1: No, um, I mean the the U.S. government, U.S. Supreme Court has just um, barred the Navajo people from claiming the water in I think Nevada. Mm-hmm because the water in, in that region is running out it's basically a desert and the navajo people have said can we have rights to the water please we kind of need it to survive but the U- u.s supreme court have gone no we don't think you have the right to the water and anywhere we'd rather las vegas have it because that makes money
2: and that's where the money so, is um,
1: yeah so and um, so once again you know, it, it just it just keeps going on, and, it, and it it's does. absolutely awful. And it's in a way, it's a, a shame that um, not only a white character, but a, a character as noticeably white as Wednesday Adams, <laughs> yeah. is the one to kind of vocalise this point. But yeah. it's it's a point that's kind of joyous to hear. Um, yeah, and 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 it's very funny as well. You know, it doesn't stop it the movie in 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 any kind of polemic, but it just adds justification, extra justification to her revenge, which is just yeah. delicious to see. Um, very
2: good, but with with the enormity of that, and it is a significant part of the film. Mm. I think it the film does a, a very good job of running those two narratives together so you've got Mm. two two parallel stories going on you've got the kids who've been sent away to camp and having to deal with that and then you've got uncle fester and debbie and you know that that sort of family drama and i think the film does a a really excellent job of of jumping between the two and giving each of those storylines they do come back together at the end but it gives them both enough space for it to feel like because i think i think it could have felt like the kids at summer camp was just like an add-on but it's not. Mm. I feel like that part of the film is as much, is as important of the story as, as you know, all the stuff with Debbie and, and you know, trying to kill Festa for the insurance and yeah, all that in- kind of thing. And it's as strong as the rest of the film,
1: I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's integral, isn't it? And both mm. kind of plots of the movie build and build at the same time Yeah, yeah. and contribute to each other until you've got the point whereby the two plots come together when pugsley and wednesday escape from summer escape. camp yeah
2: um
1: and that and then you know rejoin the family and everything comes together it's, it's kind of beautifully done actually um yeah uh so who else shall we mention i'm gonna christopher lloyd notes. i reckon yeah we've not talked about christopher lloyd, christopher have we? lloyd. um as uncle fester <laughs> um uh, he's obviously in the previous movie as well and the previous movie is all about fester kind of coming back to the family so it, it also explores that theme of the unity of the family kind mm-hmm. of wonderfully um yeah, christopher lloyd's an interesting actor he's one of my favorites yes um
2: i've, Same.
1: I, I've read about him and studied him over the years he's a meisner trained actor which i've done What does that mean? To. that's a technique which kind of teaches you to be really in the moment Um, one of the exercises which we did um, well I I think I've only been to like two uh, Meisner lessons in my life so I'm not an expert but they do things like where uh, you you, you, basically you're in a a team with one other person and the other person will say a word to you and you've got to say the same word back to them in exactly the same kind of intonation that they do not like doing an impression of them but mm. it, it's, the, the exercise is basically about listening to the other person and also listening to your own voice. And Christopher Lloyd um, talked about how until he was trained in Meisner because he started off acting before he'd learned that. Mm. He thought that uh, he didn't really have technique, he just did his best every night yeah. and he couldn't really control whether he would be good or bad. In, mm. in a, on a particular night if he was doing a piece of theatre but with Meisner he kind of learned to regulate himself um, mm. all of that is, is kind of quite a, a fluffy way of, of talking about <laughs> him in this movie because he's so over the top and I, I think that um, <laughs> just the way he moves <laughs> yes, it's well, hilarious I, 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 I was recently listening to a discussion of another film that he's in and somebody said he's always miscast and i don't think that's true but he definitely has a uniqueness to him that i that i think is amazing i mean you know like in um uh he's obviously i think his, his most famous role is probably when he plays doc brown in the back, back to, to the, the future, future yeah. um and there's a bit in the middle of back to the future too where the act the plot of that movie is so complicated that Christopher Lloyd basically has to draw a diagram on, on, on a chalkboard and explain everything. And Michael J. Fox goes, well, why don't we just go back in time and stop this all happening? And Christopher Lloyd goes, we can't because and kind of runs it around the room. And the, the way he just, uh, you know, he just basically puts pace into every word of this exposition to make it really effective is is incredible um and with fester he, he's kind of like that he makes everything sort of huge um
0: yeah.
1: and i can sort of see how uh you an audience member could find that annoying or over the top but fester is not in any way a subtle character he's kind of <laughs> meant to be in this family in this family he's meant to be the odd one he's the know? outcast in yeah, <laughs> this family
2: so, he's the one that's a bit
1: weird that guy isn't like, and, and I, I think Lloyd is probably far older than the character's meant to be or maybe that's part of the oddness of it he, you know mm. um, like in the first film um, when he's um, he's got amnesia and he thinks he belongs to a different family and, and, and he looks older than the actress who plays his supposed mother in that yeah. and they they just kind of roll with it Uh, and the weirdness (laughs) of him going yes mother i love you and and all this stuff (laughs) um and then in this movie like every moment is a huge grimace or 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 a shout or sometimes he kind of growls a line (laughs) Uh, um and and obviously he and he's running around after jonku's that kind of on his knees going debbie i love you (laughs) and then when she decides um with, with... <laughs> uh with remarkable kind of calculation but maybe it's a, a, a bit a little bit slowly. Up uptake that she realizes the way to control this man is to use my sexuality yeah. she she introduces him to sex and then he has kind of this massive expression of lustfulness on his face kind of throughout the rest of the movie like you've changed my life um <laughs>
2: <laughs> when she for she's gonna blow up the house and she leaves and they're having their like three week wedding anniversary or something yes. ridiculous. and he's running around in a heart-shaped pinny cooking and then she leaves a present on the table and he shakes it and it's, it clearly sounds like metallic stuff in there and he just looks at it it's like is that a bomb Yes. <laughs> and, she, and, she, and she's like what <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he thinks that's delightful. Again, but it was just. You kind of... But
2: you know, when when they're when they're both being that outrageous, you know, yeah. like post wedding. Yeah, yeah. And, and Fester's fully in love, and Debbie's just getting really exasperated with him, and he just doesn't see that she's like you're an idiot, (laughs) why won't you
1: die? Get away from me. And he's like,
2: give me a a kiss, give me a 20.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of the things that's wonderful about Debbie that I I wanted to say before was that once the film reveals that she's actually, you know, a a murdering duplicitous criminal, it's like the character knows that the audience knows so she doesn't bother to hide it anymore. She's like ridiculously crap at pretending... (laughs) To, to not be a scheming murderer yeah. so she just is really blatant in the way she does everything um and with Festa, because once she realizes she can't kill him she decides well i've got to make him somehow respectable if he's going to be around my house uh, so she, she dresses him, him up <laughs> she too pays him up and, and, and gives him this kind of 1970s look which made me think a bit of like benny Hoppe on from abba Um, I I wasn't sure if it was like a direct reference to them but it felt very familiar and he just looks amazing with this kind of big cream coloured polo jumper on and and this massive toupee. This blonde
2: toupee. Yeah, like like a strawberry blonde toupee that he he keeps like... It's it's itching him, isn't it? He doesn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is fantastic. I don't... I can't... I just can't think of a bad a bad moment of the film
1: mm.
2: at all. <laughs> Everything I've got them written down here is just all, all, all the things that make that make, make me laugh. Um, I, I wanted to mention another excellent line from Wednesday Adams when uh, they first arrive at camp and they're first starting to meet some of the families and they meet... I can't remember who... who I think it's the family of the blonde girl and uh, Morticia says something or you know it's, she's at that age when girls have only got one thing on their mind and the other mother says boys and Wednesday says homicide <laughs> <laughs> and they're like okay and then we <laughs> talk to another family <laughs> That's
1: but, yeah, just, every
2: um, line every scene every sequence just yeah just makes me laugh
1: just brilliant. so and we, much uh, and we've got to mention Christina Ricci as well plays Wednesday yeah. um she's just incredible in both of these movies stayed looking childlike for a really long time to the extent mm. that when she turns up in uh tim burton's sleepy hollow where she's the romantic lead with johnny yeah. depp it's a bit creepy because she still looks kind of 12 it, i remember thinking, like, that you, you the still time. look
2: 14 <laughs> yeah
1: yeah um but um she's awesome in in this this character and obviously it was
2: great to see her turn up in the wednesday netflix series as well wasn't it oh is she i didn't
1: know yeah yeah
2: she's in it and it was so obviously she's not going to play wednesday because this is about you know teenage wednesday going going to high school um but yeah she's in that i can't remember who she plays i think she's a tutor at the school right i think um and she's she's wearing like these big big glasses and I think she's got a wig on, I don't think that's her hair. So you, you could miss her for a few right. scenes and eventually be like, Oh there there she is, there's there's Swistinovici and yeah, so it was it was it was nice to have her in it. I think it would have felt um off if she wasn't if she wasn't in it, at least for a little bit, but her character's actually ends up being quite significant. But okay. yeah, it's oh, great to nice. see her back back in the back in the Adams is in uh, in one way or another and you know, just while while we're talking about Wednesday, I would like to say that um Catherine zeta jones as morticia mm. is fan- she does such a good job i mean you know Catherine zeta jones she's an absolute beauty she anyway is. but you know and then to, to dress her up as a goth it was like whoa
1: <laughs> right <okay>. oh hello <laughs> But wow. yeah, she's
2: she's fantastic in it so yeah it, again if anyone's not seen wednesday then do do go and have a look
1: big recommendation for yeah. wednesday we'll put a link in the show notes. yeah i'd Netflix. like to see it i really would um Uh, Yeah, and I just want to see more of of these characters in this world, Mm.
2: because
1: just dipping into these two movies has been so joyful. um, Yeah. And and I I just want to spend more time with them, and it is so sad to to watch uh, this movie, knowing that obviously Raul Uliu was not long for this world. Um, He's so perfect as Gomez, and uh, yeah, I guess we should just talk about him for a minute, because... Um, it's such an energetic performance.
2: Yes, in both his intensity. I mean, he's a man yeah. that's just filled with love, isn't he? Yes. He loves his wife, he loves his brother, mm. he loves his kids, and all of th- the intensity in his performance is co- is all about
1: how mm. much he loves these people. That's really well put, then, actually, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have thought to put it like that, but he is, despite the kind of... Um, the the gothic moodiness of of the characters Um, he is an incredibly positive um, entirely engaging uh, kind of paragon of virtue really Mm. in both movies the kind of sequence both movies have a a period towards the end I think both caused by the absence of Fester Mm. where um, uh, where Gomez becomes depressed um, there's a wonderful bit in the first movie when they've been kind of turfed out of their family plot, and they're living in, a, I think, a motel, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a line about, the rent is paid till the end of the week. Um, <laughs> and when Moisés says, should we go out and do something? He goes, what? And Miss Gilligan? He's just kind of <laughs> become... This kind of tragic figure sinking into his sofa watching yeah, the TV. Yeah, couch potato, the... isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's so <laughs> dynamic and so wonderful um, when he's on full power. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's just a brilliant character. Um, and um, I, I think Yulia leaves a huge kind of shadow on that role. Um, I mean, they all do because they're all kind of perfectly cast. Mm. But I think any... Actor who plays Gomez, um, it's going to be very hard to not think: Is this person as good as Raúl Yulia mm, Because of, yeah. and, and, and that's part of partly because obviously Julia is not around. I mean, um, I don't think even though he was great as well that, um, that uh, the actor who played him in the '60s series, who was John Astin, who was wonderful, mm. um, and, I, and I think he's still alive. Um, you know, I I don't think um, anyone's going. John, you know, this person doesn't measure up to John Astin. Mm, it's yeah. is kind of the standard. And, yeah, uh, that's, just that's our Gomez, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: you know, And we've talked about, or we've mentioned this with other films or TV series that we've talked about the, the things, the films, the texts that you go back to for a bit of comfort or, you know, we, we've definitely used the phrase comfort horror. Yes. before and right. you know the film has lots of horror aesthetics to it it is a gothic story um but it, I, I would also put it in my box of things I watch when I want to feel comforted or happy or mm. you know if I'm having a miserable afternoon it's like oh yeah that's what I'm gonna stick on <laughs> yeah so it's you know it's it's something that I've, I've gone back to for years and years and years as now can watch an, on a digital copy rather than my broken old vhs <laughs> cassette but yeah it's it's a wonderful film and it makes makes me very very happy
1: <laughs> i i don't blame you solely I has a real warmth to it mm. um uh, and that's the remarkable quality um so uh you know i i would recommend it usually to to anyone and, not, and i i look forward to going back to it to both of these movies mm. um what um i before we um, kind of wind up, I'm sure we, we both have a few more kind of quick points we'd like to mention. Um, and, and I feel like I should clarify the comment I made earlier, whereby I said that, that the 1991 Adam's Family is a bit dated, but mm. Values isn't. And I think it's mainly because. In the 1991 film, there is a very slight streak of ableism running through some of the jokes and more minor characters and this dates the film because obviously it wouldn't be done the same way now it's distasteful and insensitive and offensive really but also Mm. even in the context of the 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 less politically sensitive attitudes of the time um, it kind of mars the film because um, it's out of step with the world that has been created by the movie. Yeah. The characters in the Adams family are freakish, to use a word from Adams Family Values, and their freakishness, quote unquote, is due either to their own choices um, in terms of their non-conformist attitudes, the way they dress, the things they are enthusiastic about, yeah. Or perhaps they are kind of absurd in being, such as yeah um such a thing which is the unexplained crawling (laughs) hand or cousin it um you know something like that whereas in the 1991 adams family there are a couple of adams cousins who basically have normal real world um ailments which are displayed as which are played as freakish and played for laughs so (laughs) there are a couple of conjoined twins um Around whom I, uh, I generated uh, a few crass jokes, um, and that um, doesn't play uh, today, and it's a shame. Whereas in Adam, Adam's Family Values, although those char- characters do appear, right, they're very much played down, they're in the background, and maybe this is because the producers were becoming sensitive mm. um, to some of these issues. Who knows, but it is a notable difference between the films. Um, And I I think that the the presence of that kind of ableism is a definite flaw in the original movie. But apart from that, the first film is very good, Mm -hmm. um, but the sequel tops it. And I I think the the other thing that kind of um, dates the first one a bit is maybe the budget ran out because towards the end of the movie there are some very kind of shonky special effects sequences <laughs> when people are kind of flying through the air and landing in graves and things and it yeah. all looks looks a bit dodgy but, but the second movie has none of that either um, no. and, I, and i guess it um the first movie was made by a studio that was falling apart and they didn't expect yeah. it to make money but then it did um so I guess some of that box office um, revenue probably went into the sequel then. And it, yeah. it, I mean, the sequel has, um, apart from Don Peterman, who it is a different cinematographer than did the original, and he went on to work with Barry Sonnenfeld again on Men in Black, and he'd shot um, Star Trek for The Voyage Home, and he's a really good... Actually, thinking of those three movies, he's got a pretty unique... Um, Kind of selling point which is that he shoots kind of comedy special effects movies mm. you know that um and, and and they're all those movies are kind of beautiful to look at and and kind of really work and, and have a really nice tone as well so i think yeah. he contributes to that but also this movie has sets by ken adam the james bond designer the, from the, the all the classic kind of oscar-winning Early Bond films, and he also yeah. designed the sets for Stanley Kubrick, Doctor Strange, Love, and things like that. Um, and to be honest, I didn't notice because it looks—it <laughs> just looks like the, the same world as Adam's Family One, which was a different designer. But um, but still, it's it, um, the fact that I I didn't notice the sets is probably a good thing, you know. Mm. It just kind of feels part of the world, more
2: immersive, yeah. Um, yeah well the last thing i'd say and mm-hmm. no pun intended given we've just talked about effects is thing <laughs> oh yeah the lovely the lovely little thing and it's it's done beautifully in adam's family values and I think even now 20 is it 23 years later 33 years later 23 years later i don't know um
1: it's, it's... 33 years later. <laughs> Uh, but it's thirty years later. Thirty th- years later, 30 which is very ups- the original,
2: which is very upsetting. Mm. But even now, the the effect of Thing still looks fantastic. Absolutely brilliant.
1: And actually, yeah. yes, and, and that's a really good point. Even in the first film, that they they are brilliant. And and mm. um, when I say that the effects in that movie go bad towards the end, um, I'm not talking about things like Thing. It's brilliantly mm. done. The kind of cr- the classic horror movie crawling hand. Yeah. It's um, pretty- but who they do it so perfectly that thing becomes a character yeah and then he's got sequel, a little personality and
2: everything it's yeah
1: and in the sequel he's kind of running around in little vehicles whether it be like yeah. on a roller skate you a little skateboard and gets to drive a car at one point yeah he does and i did think <laughs> he how, she don't know how, how do you do that without being able to press the accelerator or the brake but whatever um, doesn't matter the least
2: of our worries i it's, think human there's a disembodied hand running around the place. Very cool, yeah
1: that's true and you get not only in this movie think we just need to mention the other members of the family so you get a bit more of cousin it who was in yeah. the first film um, briefly and he's now married and has a little baby cousin it, which yeah, it's got you... a dummy in his <laughs> And (laughs) and Cousin It, for any listeners who are struggling to remember, is is basically um, a small furball who speaks in an incomprehensible squeak. Um, (laughs) And and nobody quite knows what it is, but um, what a lovable character. And now there's a a little Cousin It as well. Um, And and also Grandmama, who in the first (laughs) movie... Was played by an actress called Judith Molina, who's kind of a, a at the time, was kind of a renowned theatre practitioner. Um, and in the second film, I didn't notice at first, it took me like halfway through the film, but it's not the same actor. I don't know why Judith Molina didn't come back, she was still alive. Right. Um, she might have just had another project, I suppose. Yeah. Um, happens, doesn't it? but basically I, I found myself just looking at grandmama and she's obviously an actor in heavy kind of old age makeup
2: yeah
1: and i just thought to myself is that carol kane could that be carol kane who we previously <laughs> talked about on this podcast when we discussed um uh the 1979 movie uh when a stranger calls mm-hmm. uh, which she's amazing in but obviously she's a stunning character actress comedy character actress in movies such as um the one that she's probably most famous for a great cameo in is the princess bride but also yeah. uh, she's in scrooge i found out since we talked about when a stranger calls she actually won an, an oscar um in a, 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 one of her earliest movie roles which was a 1975 movie almost entirely made in yiddish about mm. jewish immigrants to new york um it's called hester street and it's a wonderful movie mm. um by a, a kind of unjustly forgotten director called joan McLean silver and she's brilliant in it um and i think uh, you know and there's no film in which carol kane is not brilliant but there's something about grandmama i kind of had in the back of my head that character should really be played by carol kane <laughs> you know if there's anyone who's great at playing kind of old crones in 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 heavy makeup it's carol kane and then (laughs) i actually realized it is carol kane my god she's (laughs) fantastic and she has some great jokes in this movie like the the wonderful scene where they find that um baby pubert has become quote-unquote ill and has developed blonde curly hair and that and um and grandma is trying to reverse it using a series of spells and things um Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, Does
2: she? She puts a curse on Debbie, doesn't she? When they go and visit them at Debbie and Fester's mansion, she's got a skull. Oh yes. She sort of points the skull and she says something, and just, she points the skull in the shape of a cross. And Debbie likes. It's like, what was that? And she's like, just a curse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, she's um, right
2: i'm gonna go watch it again <laughs>
1: That's that, well I, think, I, I feel the same myself and i think yeah there's so much in it um i'm just looking through my notes i'm going to very quickly mention the last few things because they are just mentions really so when they go to the police station it is actually the 13th precinct you see that on the sign uh, which no, i right. think is a nice. lovely reference to john carpenter's assault on yeah. precinct 13th which um, is a great film uh it is it is such a great film um mm-hmm. the the character of joel played by david Crumholes, um is kind of the stereotypical kind of jewish geek in big yeah. glasses but i i thought Is he meant to be young Steven Spielberg or even young J.J. Abrams?
2: (laughs) Maybe, He was not
1: quite this young at the time. And and, and actually, um, I think uh, that might have been part of the intention, or at least maybe not those specific guys, but kind of to reflect the geeky childhood of, of Jewish kids who grew up to be filmmakers. Because Joel's dad, who turns up, is actually played by Barry Sonnenfeld. Mm. So uh, I feel like there's something a bit autobiographical going on there. There, are, just for you, Stella, I noted, I noted this down. When I think it's when they're going through the the deck of um, cards, which the Black Widow is listed in. I think they've also got the Zodiac Killer in it's there. Got a
2: Zodiac in there,
1: yeah. Um, and I thought <laughs> Stella would be correcting them and saying killers. <laughs> um,
2: it was it was a copycat murders. So- <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's yeah. never been found, because there isn't one.
1: <laughs> Quite well said. Um, then we've got a, a cameo appearance by Tony Shalhoub as kind of the the, 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 um, the louche. I think he's supposed to be kind of Italian sailor guy who's flirting with Debbie in the bar. Uh, before oh, she yeah, where she's thinking, she's thinking macho man. <laughs> yes.
2: Macho Macho
1: Man. <laughs> it's always nice to see Shaloub, and of course he turns up again in Sonnenfeld's Men in Black as the <clears throat> the alien character who whose head gets exploded by Will Smith at oh, point yeah. blank range and then the head grows back. It just grows back. Sh- Shaloub goes, Have you any idea how much how that much stinks? <laughs> <laughs> see um, the
2: first first Man in Black movie and the second one as well also very good films. They're
1: also highly watchable. Yes, yeah, they, they, they are. Um, I, I think the third one's quite fun as well, actually. I've not seen the fourth one. but um, No, I've not seen it.
2: the fourth one. I and think so, I've seen the third one, but I can't be sure. But I've definitely seen the first and second one many, many times.
1: The third one is the one with Jermaine Clement in. So as uh, what we do in the Shadows fans, we, we you know uh, we, we need to respect that one a bit. Uh, it, it's quite a good plot. I don't actually, think I've seen it then. One. And it is still Sonnenfeld as well. So it's, um, plus Emma Thompson. That's the first one where they have Emma Thompson in. So, um, I think all those are good. Um, so this is my final note and it's appropriate to kind of end the discussion on the very end of the movie, which I think I thought Stella loves this as well. The end of the movie is the end of Carrie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, And obviously I think, um, Viewers with our tastes kind of knew what was coming as soon as yeah, he leans yeah. over <laughs> to put flowers on the grave. <laughs> you can see
2: it coming from minutes away, can't you? It's like, yeah,
1: yep.
2: Because <laughs> what they're talking about is that like, how would you kill your husband? And Wednesday said, "I'd scare him to death." And then he <laughs> yes. leans over to put flowers on the grave, and out comes
1: the hand, and it's just like, <laughs> <I don't, laughs> well I, you did leave me thinking about what does that really mean. Um, <laughs> Is that Wednesday saying that she she really loves him because that's the way she would show her love by scaring him to death, <laughs> or Possibly. is Debbie somehow alive, or is that Thing's hand? Maybe it's th- maybe it's just Thing. Maybe it's just Thing and
2: it's a yeah. prank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: All right. Well, I don't know. Write yourself a fan fiction, Hannah. Yes. Have it that yes, way. So I,
1: will, I think I would imagine that it is Thing yeah because that would be a great gag i mean if you've got yeah. a family member who is a crawling hand you do stuff like that all you, the time then use you? him
2: you know use him use him or lose him
1: <laughs> i mean i think there is a great gag in adam's family one where they're doing the seance and <laughs> i think it's grandma who's like hold my hand to uh, the visiting lady and then <laughs> she, that hand just, comes off
2: she's like she hands them finger <laughs> yes oh god Ah. (laughs) it's so funny well tomorrow I've got to do packing because we're going to Boomtown uh, on Thursday and uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick the films on in the background while I'm mooching about and (laughs) cleaning the uh, camping gear and stuff
1: that's what I'm going to (laughs) do oh they're ideal cheery background films when you've got to do those kind of chores so that'll work out that'll be wonderful um (laughs) <laughs> uh okay well i think we've come to the end of our discussion um i'm just yeah. going to s- say one more thing not about the film before we go um because i think this um this episode is going to come out soon so i'm going to slip in a recommendation because um uh, uh it will still be on netflix when when this episode drops i think which is the series um guillermo del toro's cabinets of curiosities um uh Kirsty recommended it quite a while ago and i ended up watching a lot of it i really like it but i'm only kind of halfway through the series and i've had to stop my netflix because i can't afford it at the minute um but my friend who i've been watching it with has carried on watching it and last night he was texting <gasps> me saying you're gonna love episode seven christ on <laughs> toast it's crazy so, <laughs> christ on toast yes <laughs> so god knows um
2: I don't think I I got as far as seven, so I I couldn't uh, either confirm nor deny if it's worth a Christ on toast. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I think I got to
1: four.
2: Yeah, around four.
1: I think it is a bit of a variable series. Some of the episodes are better than others, but um, they're all by different directors, aren't they? Yes. uh, And you get that there's a nice variance of styles and things and the kind of stories. Some of them are... uh, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, some of them are other authors. Yeah. Um, I think some of them are original screen stories. Um, mm. So I've, I've, I've enjoyed that. But um, but yeah, basically, listeners, um, I don't know what it is, but you've got a very strong recommendation for episode seven of Cabinet <laughs> of Curiosities there. Um, so I might go in and just look the account not watch it because I don't have Netflix, but I can find out what the episode is. <laughs> Um, and on that note Stella I think we've we've come to the end of our time thank yeah. you for this wonderful chat about Adam's family values and thank you for recommending this great movie to me which has <laughs> just, just massively cheered me up um, it's much fun it really is and um, I, I I wish there were more Adam's family movies in that style yeah. but maybe I'll go and watch Wednesday instead watch when Wednesday I, when I can when get, you get your Netflix, on Netflix back. yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's a good recommendation as well. Well, style, thank you very much. Um, we'll be back soon talking about I Know Not What, but I think we do some more omen pretty soon. So um, we'll see what <laughs> oh, happens oh there. God.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so,
2: All right, in, then. In the Bye. meantime,
1: have a wonderful time at Boomtown. And, I will. Um, and, listener, you'll hear from us in the future. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Stella Gaynor and T.D. Velasquez. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in U.K. law and fair use as defined in U.S. law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details, or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at Lee Cushingpod. Follow us on Twitter at andnowpodcast or at Lee Cushingpodcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash andnowpodcast. And now, the podcast stops.